Welcome to the forecast with Gary Lisak and Bob Lyons. <laughs> Bob Lyons. Hey, it's great to see everyone. I'm here. not the attraction. We don't have to. I we know. don't have to point it out. But it looks like you got all cleaned up today. Look at this. Well, I, I, I meant to you shave. shaved. I did get a haircut because yeah. uh, I was looking pretty rough. There's that old adage that, like, what is it? An unemployed uh, developer is very slovenly, right? Like, looks disgusting. But, like, a, a, somebody who's looking for a job is very clean-shaven. Yeah. Well, so this should be, this actually should be the, the resemblance of success. Yeah. Because I, I don't so. need to look presentable. Yeah, well, you look good. I mean, hey, thanks. You got a haircut and everything. Thank so, you very much. So did I. Sharp. Yeah, you look real you. sharp. Well, anyway, this podcast, The Forecast with Gary Lezak, is brought to you by Results Personal Fitness. That's right. Do we Golly. have a permit? Golly, right. did you bring the permit? Did you? I, All right. Yeah. Do you have to yeah. renew it every week? Re- results. I get results <laughs> by working out at results. It's a 135. That's it. Putting in the work is the permit. There you and go. I just had a huge workout. So thank you to David Schlossman. Love it. 30 sets today. Okay. 30? 30 sets. Is that legal? <laughs> That's not a lot. Okay. <laughs> we could do more. Okay. But 30 sets in about 45 minutes, and we did... Uh, back and traps and shoulders. We wow. uh, did a whole bunch of pull-ups and some shoulder press. Oh, I love pull-ups. So, shoulder press, great. Yeah, I know. It's good work. How's the shoulder stability these days? Uh, good. Is good. there weather yeah, in there? You know, I, we, I did dumbbells, so, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to get the stability in there. That's good stuff. Yeah. So go, call, contact David. Results at 135th of Metcalf. And you've got Steve and Don and Chris and... And the gang. and That's a lot of so, collective wisdom. Huh? I know. So go there okay. and, and check it out. So uh, also, this is brought to you by Uphold Home. Uphold Home. That's right. Uphold Home. So uh, as you go on to your golden years, uh, contact Uphold Home and maybe you could stay at home. The plan is to stay at home, optimize your health. That That's would a great be fantastic. Idea. Yeah. Use it as an opportunity, right? Right. Conceptually, it's a, it's a different way of thinking about is it is it strictly about aging or is it recovery from anything? It's, it's, well, it's mostly for as you're aging. You sure, know, I, I hate that word. Oh, aging. what would be? Because I'm aging. Well, I think <laughs> I like, scientifically everything is aging. I know you're getting you're aging too. <laughs> yes, I feel horrifically old on a con- consistent basis. So, but if you're considering putting one of your loved ones into a home, sure. or they would prefer to stay at home, this option of staying at home, uphold yeah. home is a great option, and with the physicians and the dietitians helping you out, optimizing, bringing in meals, you can optimize your health. I see. Yes, that is a great system. So I love it. Go. See, we're, we're rethinking the way. Well, I'm, So you need to remarket the term aging then. Right. What is a better terminology? Getting on into your golden years. I like that. Okay, that's very <laughs> nice. We're, we're all headed there. Quickly, right. it feels like. So I'm never going to turn golden, but uh, anyway. <laughs> So uh, today, what is our topic going to be today? Oh, I don't know. You tell me. You wanna you wanna talk some some tech talk? Yeah, I some, do. Some models, some yeah. stats. Yeah, the the LRC stands for the Lezak Recurring Cycles, named by the bloggers way back in two thousand two, two thousand three, twenty oh three, uh, when uh, when we had the system we were bringing to the market and explaining how you can actually predict the weather long range. Right. And we have developed a model what we call a statistical model. Absolutely, yeah. And it's different than the physics-based models, and it is accurate. And so that's what's going to be our topic of it's today. Great. It's effective, it's accurate, it works. Absolutely. Uh, so, well, it, it's interesting. I feel like this is a, a common misnomer where people assume that you named the LRC after yourself as though this is like an egocentric concept. 
I think it's good that you're clarifying it, that everybody else, like, you kept referring to it as a cycle, and then eventually they I named it I called it, it my hypothesis, my theory, my hypothesis. Right. And then somebody said, hey, it should be called the LRC. And I like, you We tried to tinker with the naming because it is tough. It's tough to be received because there is this immediate judgmental, like, well, you named it after yourself, so you, so I don't know. They must be only built around your your right. ego or what you believe your, uh, your concept to be. But... I, it is kind of funny that it was it was an, an army of other individuals who sort of just started calling that. It's like the idea of like, uh, you know, a Xerox or Kleenex, right? It's like, yeah, well, it just sort of became ubiquitous and then you can't get rid of it. So right. the LRC, right. just I think it's a fair clarification. We're like here in Kansas City, Edelman and Thompson. Oh, um, yes, of course. It's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. How did they name their company? It's after themselves. It's right? Well, <laughs> right. How dare they? Yeah. That's a very lawyer-centric. So. Uh, I don't know. Is that an ego-driven business? You think? I don't know. We don't. I guess we don't get. In the Isn't swamp. it called the Ellen DeGeneres Show? That is true. Okay. How dare? How how ego-driven is that? Well, okay, but is Ellen DeGeneres is not a scientist? I mean, I'm tr- I'm trying to always play the, right. the devil's advocate here. Well, so. my my point is, yeah, I didn't name it. Of course, yeah. Whatever, so I'm dragging you deep into in the- in, <laughs> in twenty years or thirty years or five years from now, when when it really is saving lives and helping businesses, like it already is doing now, and it grows. Whatever it's named it's named it doesn't have to be called the lrc right that yeah. is not important to me the important thing is what the model is able to do and so let's talk about the model. let's talk about the model my goodness um so yeah you th- that was a very good introduction because right now i don't know maybe we go through a very brief synopsis of like current um physics modeling forecasting systems right right the traditional systems that have been used for a very long time uh this goes back to even i don't remember the year but there was a uh, a mathematician, I don't know, what do we think, 70, 80 years ago, uh, the idea was going to be to get a giant auditorium of mathematicians who all sit in there. They give them the initial conditions and they run it out by hand. And that was the earliest concept of like a forecasting modeling system, right? right. So it was just a, a bunch of, because I mean. And I we, used to have those cards that you had to punch ones and zeros into. Oh, like the that that's how you fed in programming? Yeah. Well, oh, I, yeah. Remember, I'm old enough for that. Well, man, did you ever get, did you partake in yes. this? Really? I, I was, I actually, did, did, this is way back when. Yeah, this is the good stuff. Yeah. We punched ones and zeros and yeah. did our programs and very, very simple programs for me as a teenager. Sure, yeah. But, uh, you know, it evolved from there. I love, the, it's kind of a fascinating concept because the, the level of precision and confidence that you needed to just go with your shoebox of cards. Because you only, you know, like, the, the way it usually worked out is you had, like, a window. Where, like, yeah. all right, you get you get the machine for 10 minutes right. at and 3 a.m. you took your 20 cards, which was your program, and you put them in. Right. And so you better be pretty confident in what you're doing. Because otherwise you're wasting your time. And, and then, you you know, it starts back over again. Because you can't exactly, like, you can't troubleshoot on the fly. Whereas, like, the, the way that I sort of was, I wouldn't say taught, but I've adapted we can be kind of careless because you get immediate feedback, right? So, like, you find a bug immediately and then you fix it. It's not a whole, like, all right, I punched my cards. I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> we'll see what happens, you know. Now, we can kind of afford to be a little more sloppy uh, just because it doesn't, the, the consequences aren't as dire. Right. Which and, is fascinating. And great programmers still have new things they keep learning each year, so it's fascinating. Oh, it's such an evolving yeah. concept, no doubt. It's, it's an, ins- when, and I think I'll get into that uh, a little bit as we discuss our, our modeling techniques, because uh, what is available to the computer science industry and programming industry and software industry, all these things, is just, it's mind-blowing. I, I think it's a component of a lot of the explosions of technology 
um, that we're seeing, the removal of, of stigma of kind of what we're doing, you know, whatever. We'll get, in, we'll get into all of that. Um, but let's see, how, how do we begin? Physics models. Okay. Weather forecasting via physics models. So you, you view wind as a, as a fluid. So you have physics and these fluid dynamics, right? So the, the key concept is initial conditions, okay? So right there you have a problem because our measuring instruments can only be so accurate and you can only measure so many parts of the atmosphere and so many parameters and whatnot, right? Uh, we would like to think that we're, we're perfect in all these ways and our scientific, scientific community has advanced a lot, but initial conditions are still the problem, right? right? So you take all these parameters, you plug them into physics uh, equations and you try to then guess, you say, all right, according to this, this is going to be the... This is the energy, where the energy is flowing. This is the motion. You know, again, it's fluid dynamics. Well, it's called quasi-geostrophic theory or QG theory. And what happens, we take all these initial conditions. Sure. And these initial conditions are, the majority of them come from balloons, weather yeah. balloons that are sent up all over the world, maybe 500 stations every single day in the morning and at night, every day at uh, 0Z and 12Z. Z stands for Zulu. So right now in Kansas City, that would be at 7 in the morning and 7 in the evening. These balloons go up uh, in Topeka, Kansas, is where it yeah. goes up. And it goes up to maybe 30,000, 40,000 feet, 50,000 feet, and then it'll finally pop, and the instruments will fall down to the ground. They might right. land in your yard. Yeah. But the conditions over Topeka might end up being at Columbia by the time it pops and goes over. So you, it says it's in Topeka, but it's really possibly much farther downstream. So there's the first yeah. initial indication, the conditions that could be an error already right there at the beginning. Right. Now, we're doing our best. What, there's, they, do they have a name? It's like Radio Sonde? Radio Sonde. Radio yeah. Sonde. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it is funny. I've, I've dealt with a lot of the raw data that those output, right? And uh, they have to tell you what the drift was. One of the parameters that it records is like, I think I drifted X miles away from right. where I was re released at these coordinates. Here was the direction that the wind was blowing. Right. So, like, you can do your best approximation of, like, I have a okay. good idea of where it is. Yeah. yeah, so you can you can do a pretty good job. But it is still pretty approximate. Right. Right? I mean, you're releasing balloons into the atmosphere. So those are the conditions that go into the models that are the physics models today. So there are those models begin with errors. And right. they're still somewhat accurate. Day one, day two, day three forecasts based on these equations and based on the 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 model of the day uh we'll have some accuracy so we can predict the weather the next three days sure. five days out uh, pretty good better than ever before when you get beyond five days 10 days to 15 days that's when meteorologists say there's a limit right, on right. accuracy sure and and again we agree with that we this is something that we kind of parrot over and over and over but we do agree again because you're dealing with uh the difficulty of initial conditions and then uh, you're producing these models. You, you run it over and over and over, and then you sort of throw out the ones that are absurd, right? And then you go, okay, uh, so out of what was left, here's, you know, you have to use your scientific, your, your meteorological intuition. You, you have to say, all right, I think this is the solution that makes the most sense for what, what's going to happen, what I'm looking at now and what, what can and will happen. Um, so it, it is a difficult process. It seems like the, in the last decade, the main advancements were just 
throw more processing power at it. Right. Because there there's, what, five or six big mod. There's, what, the, right. the Euro. The, the European the, model, the GFS, which is the American model. Sure. And then you have the NAM model. Yeah. And a North American mesoscale model. And then you have the HRRR that I call, some people call the HER. It's HRRR. <laughs> I call it that. And then you have the RUC model and the Canadian model, the German yeah. model, which is the ICON model. And so you have all in the UCMET, you have all these different models that are run, and they're all based on similar physics. Okay? Conceptually, right, yeah. Different, maybe varying different types of, of tweaks to them. Sure. And they all come out with their solutions, depending on how they begin and, yeah. and how their model is run. So those physics-based models have some accuracy. The, sure. The LRC model that we are using now, and it's interesting, and it's a statistical model, but it also uses meteorology as we know it today. Absolutely, yeah. So, so for example, our initial conditions at 100 days out um, are, are conditions that we already saw that happen. So it's hopefully calculated out some of those errors because it's literally that day's what has actually happened already. Right, so right. So, for example, a severe weather outbreak. And while we're recording this, we're recording this um, in late March, March 30th, and there's a severe weather potential for March 31st and another one next week. This, wow. Especially the one for next week. It's the, we, have, we made a product which predicts severe weather outbreaks, and we have 11 of them that we predicted in one product. Okay, So we, if this verifies next week, which it will, I'm certain of it, It'll be five for five. We predicted five of them, and they have happened. And it isn't, as some of the criticism has come in, it isn't a climatology forecast. Yes, right, right. on April 1st, climatologically, there's going to be severe weather located almost where it's predicted to be. Okay. But we didn't use just climatology like you can use, because it doesn't happen every year on April 1st. It'll vary by days and where it's going to be located. What we do with our model is we look, we know what the weather pattern is going to look at based on the LRC. So 50 days ago, 100 days ago, we have other versions of this pattern that are synoptic scale models that have already, so literally a, an actual initial condition of what has happened 50 days ago. Right. We These then, are recorded values, right. yes. So yeah. we then use that information as meteorologists, Okay, we'll get to the model in a second. And we look and see what the synoptic conditions will be. So when we predict a severe weather outbreak around April the 4th, okay, which is due in around April the 4th. Okay. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> 75 days ago. Oh, there you go, about. yeah. But we're basing it on what the pattern will look like synoptically. So right. the, where will the surface low be? Where will the dry line where will everything be located? We have a projection of that from what we already know has happened. It's not climatology at all. It's the Storm Prediction Center takes, oh, look at this setup for next week. It looks like all the things are coming together for the potential for severe weather. We do the exact same thing that Storm Prediction Center does. And what we're telling you with the LRC, the technology is available today to do that far in advance. Right, and it's a different type of technology. This is this is where I feel like a lot of the misunderstanding has, has come in. We're not just trying to take existing physics models and stretch right. them and and hope for the best. And speaking of stretching, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe there, we've talked about it. 
will apply the physics models at 100 days out at some point. Yeah, I think, well, of course, there's there's value. There's value, in, I always say, like, more information is better than less information, but it, right. it depends on what your your outcome and your goal is. But th right. this is just kind of like what we spoke yeah. in the last one. Like, experimentation is the key of what we're doing. Like, I, I think we can always do better. I would always like to do better. I'd like to explore different methodologies and inject different parameters, and, and sometimes you're injecting noise, and maybe it's not good, you know? Right. But it's worth trying. Right. <laughs> like, you, you gotta know. Yeah, so, so tell us, you helped, you, you got these ideas for me, and then we developed this statistical model. Tell us right. a little bit about the model that does exist. So we take those initial conditions through a, a satellite network, right? So the, the Air 5 data is provided through with the ECMWF. Right, European, European model. ECMWF. Yes. Yeah, my, this is the European Center for Mid-Range forecast, Weather Forecasting. Medium I think is what it stands for. Yeah, right, okay. So uh, they put out this data. Now, what's interesting about it is they do what's called a reanalysis. So they're, we, every night we're ingesting... All of the global weather conditions, uh, you know, again, for the entire world, but it's about for like a week ago, okay? So we ingest global data. Uh, we have to be patient because they, what they'll constantly do is sort of like, they, they, they obviously, it's a massive amount of data. So they want to go in and they go, all right, here's, they're, they're making sure that the data makes sense, number one, right? Because they, they, they will sometimes put out errant data and then they'll have to put out corrections. So we intentionally have a lag to make sure that we get high quality data coming out from them, right? So that's number one, high quality data, right? We, we don't necessarily have to second guess that data. Uh, and it, it's uniform, it's, uh, it's, it's well laid out. It's accessible. It's fairly quick. Um, the fact that it is publicly available is interesting. Sometimes you end up waiting in line to get access to it from like a programmatic standpoint, uh, but there's nothing you can do about it. And it is funny. We've had like different clients be like, well, what's to stop us from just taking that data and doing what you're doing? Like, be my guest. It is intensely complicated. Right. Very, very complicated. So... We take in all of this data. We have gridded out the, the planet Earth, okay? Um, there are different methodologies of trying to grid out the Earth, but the Earth is not a perfect sphere. It, it has kind of an elliptical uh, stretch to it. So it is difficult to get a uniform gridding, all right? Imagine taking like a, a, a globe, the shape of the Earth, and you cut out a piece of paper, a consistent piece of paper, and you try to just wrap it around the entire globe. Right. It's not going to work. You will have gaps. You have some some pieces that get stretched and skewed. Um, we originally started out using, I think Google's was called S2, but they use squares. But then you end up with parallelograms, and then it's not uniform sizes of gridding, right? So then it's difficult when you say, like, all right, I have a forecast cell. Some forecast cells are 500 square miles. Some are 57. Like, that's not uniform. Right. And if, especially from a data uh, standpoint, you want a level of uniformity, like that you need a reliable sense of uniformity. So we use Uber. Uh, they, they put out this, this open uh, source coding system called the H3 grading system, right? This is real complex. Is this too complex? Well, no, it's okay. Yeah, okay, I'm trying, like, yeah. I don't, it interests me. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, find it, I find it fascinating. So get to the conclusion of what the model does. Well, I, I will, but the, these okay. are all key components. Keep all right? going Key then. components of why. So H3 uses hexagons because hexagon, hexagons can uniformly distribute uh, much more effectively over such a unique shape like the shape of the earth, okay? So you get uniformity in shape and distribution. These are important components to what we're trying to do to help other people with our forecasts, right? 
So uh, each forecast cell is about 100 square miles. A hexagon makes up about 100 square miles. And it's pretty uniform. It's very impressive. We have 2 million uh, hexagons that we use as a, a, a total of the, the for, number of forecast cells. So we have 100 square mile boxes all over the world. Correct. And each one of those is forecast cells. So we take the data that comes in from ERA-5, and then we, we grid it up in to match our system based on latitude and longitude. And we say, okay, these were the conditions in this forecast cell. These were the conditions forecast cell. Each one has its own unique ID, yada, yada, yada. It's a very impressive system. It's very good, very fast. And it's very nice of Uber to just put that out. It's what they use for their on-demand scaling system, right? Because it's very clever because they can at any moment in time scale up or down a hexagon and say like, okay, this big area is experiencing high demand. Let's let's boost the cost because we need to incentivize drivers to get there to meet demand, right? right. So it's a very like clever uh, supply and demand marketing concept mapped or, or that's sort of tied to a, a, a gridding system. And they put it up for free. We use it. It's great. It's very useful for what we're doing. Um, okay, so we have all the data. We have a gridding system. We then, uh, we say, all right, based on what Gary Lezak says, we're always looking at the atmosphere. This is what we think the cycles are, yada, yada, yada. So we are taking those conditions, what we had, and we're then projecting them forward, right? For the entire globe, for each of the 2 million forecast cells. Right. All right? Amazing. It's, it's great. Incredible. So what we're doing is we're sort of looking at the statistical patterns right. that happen in the atmosphere, and right. that's, that's where the cycles are sort of like born. Right. And that's how we're projecting them forward. Yeah. Okay. And so, so then we get results that work. Absolutely, yes. So, for example, let's go through a couple examples. Yeah, so it becomes an effective modeling. Like, there there is some concept. Like, there are a lot of people out there who are just trying to use 30-year averages, right? And 30-year averages are are okay. Right. But that's where you sort of get into this level of, like, the murk of the criticism of, like, you said it was going to be cold in winter, and it was cold. Like, of course, that is a climatological concept of, like... Winter is cold, right? But the idea is we're, we're identifying yeah. statistical events we're, that we're occur. We're about to identify for our customers on Substack, and you can go there, weather2020.substack.com. For sure. It's $300 a year, but these farmers are, are getting some really valuable information. We're about to predict when and where there's going to be a heat wave this summer. Oh, okay? really? So, yeah. And it's important to know when and it's where very and possibly how long and how how hot it's going to be, et cetera. So we're going to be doing that. And and so the model you just described, it's so complex, and yet it it is working and it's improving and it provides the when and where. Absolutely. Other, yeah. other technologies and methodologies out there that exist today in meteorology and science aren't able to do what our model does, which is when and where. Can we go through a couple examples? Yeah, hey, let's do examples. Okay. And then I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a little more. And I'm just, we'll break it up because I'll get a little more technical. I want to Because it's kind of interesting. I know, but I want to get right to the examples. And it's, as Bob describes, how we're, how we're even able to do that. So for those of you just listening, because you can hear this podcast on all of the other right. podcastable things, Gary is holding up a beautiful visual aid. Right. <laughs> so. and, and Ben's going to put it up there in the screen. Oh, perfect. There we but go. this is a Cassidy and Mitch wedding forecast for San Diego, California. All right. Now, San Diego, California, most days is going to be about 70 degrees and nice at, Fairly the consistent. End, yeah. at the end of March. Well, Gary England, the famous Gary England, who was in the movie Twister, Gary England, uh, he was my it's mentor, yeah. Gary England, and his wife, Mary. Mary, uh, at the end of January, asked me, she said, my granddaughter is getting married. Cassidy and Mitch wedding is in San Diego. Can you provide us a weather forecast? So I called up our model, 
Right, right. Our, and I call up our model, and our model predicted, I and I gave her a whole video we'll look at it in a second, but about 64 degrees, I put 65 degrees in there, 65 degrees, partly cloudy, it is looking dry, and I made a whole video explaining what the model shows. Let's let's listen to what the videos that I made on January 31st for our March 25th Oh, yeah, forecast. yeah, let's hear it. Okay, hit us. Mary, I just called up my model... I picked March 20th to March 27th, and this is for all of California. It shows a storm coming in March 20th, 21st, and 22nd, and then dry the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. So let me go to just San Diego County, apply filters. Here's just San Diego County now on my model. And you can see here, it shows that it will be rain only on the 22nd, but drying out on the 23rd, especially the 24th and the 25th. Here's the 24th and 25th. It looks dry. So rain before you get there. And temperatures in the 60s, so 64 degrees for high temperatures. Right, so 60s for high temperatures. That's how it looks right now. Um, I'll put this together and send you a printout of it. But that's my computer model. So 60s, the chance of rain is before the wedding, and it should be dry at the end of the week. So as you heard there, we predicted, the model predicted, a storm coming through California two to three days before wedding day. That was the storm that produced the tornado in Los Angeles. You remember that video of the tornado in Los Angeles on March 22nd or, right, or so? Right, right. It predicted the storm, the model did, and their wedding forecast. It ended up being 63 degrees and partly cloudy and dry for their wedding in a stormy winter. It wasn't a typical San Diego year. Absolutely. It, is, it has been... Atypical to say the least, especially right. compared to the last handful of years. And Gary England's a meteorologist, so he sure, yeah. and Mary appreciated the long range forecast that he thought was impossible years ago. Right. That's an impressive no winter. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, a that's a that's a probably a tough nut to crack too. Somebody that entrenched right. in like the traditional methodology. Well, I sort of forced him to learn how to do <laughs> over the years. I, wait, but, uh, physically? Or what, no, was this no. an emotional browbeating? What can't were we you doing? see this? Okay, yeah. I've been doing that to so many of you out there. Um, here's another forecast. It's Japan, okay? Right, another visual aid. Yeah, another visual aid. Uh, a customer of Future Snow, a company that we consult with, they were going to Japan to this resort Hakei, Hakei Sankroku, probably ripping nailed that one it. apart. No, you nailed it. Hakei Sankroku, Sanroku ski area in western Japan, and they were going February 18th to 25th. So weeks before, about five weeks before, we provided them this forecast day by day and also created a video and let them see that there was a good chance of a storm on a certain day and good conditions, although it would be a little warmer than average. And they said it worked. Your model worked. The people that went to Japan. That's beautiful. So yeah. it shows the global model. And this one, we won't put up on the screen, but that is California. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. 200 to 600% of average rainfall forecast for the winter. This right, year. right. Made in November before they had their winter. 
That's outstanding. Yeah. That's a heck of a win, too. I mean, so it's it's tough here. Uh, one one of the, man, I, I hate to keep harping on it. Like, some of the criticisms that we get are just like, oh, why don't you ever talk about when it didn't work? When didn't talk? We sort of addressed it last week. Uh, it's just, it's lame to me. Uh, I would say part of my response, and this is something I was chatting with Gary about, you speak in examples because you've made a career of having to, like, connect with viewers, Right. So I think there's a disconnect between like academia where they ha- everybody there has a specific language that they speak because they're typically talking within the confines of academia. They're used to talking to each other. They don't they're not tasked with connecting with a viewer or right. or an, an average person who doesn't have a massive breadth of of information and knowledge and and degree after degree and class after class or whatever of, of whatever topic they're discussing. So they're able to to use their specific language to talk to one another. And that's almost the way they like can identify one another, like, oh, you're in academia too, because this we talk to each other using these, you know, the specific oh. terminology. But you speak in examples. Right. And which I think is fair. I think it is very fair. But and I like I think some of the responsibility then falls on me because it's you can't be expected to keep your eyes on the globe at all times and say like, okay, well, yeah, statistically for the the northwestern region of insert country here, we were X percent this and this. That's not a realistic concept, right? So uh, I will say some of the criticism I've, I've softened. It's valid. I can do a better job of putting out statistics. Um, to be a little more transparent, uh, it just takes work, and I am but right. but one idiot. So it's, it's not a hundred percent accurate, but it's based on this model. The technology and the methodology is based on the pattern that's cycling above us. Right, okay? right, and there is order to the chaos. Now we need to prove that there's order to the chaos. You know, it, yes, you know, we will present over the next decade more and more evidence will come to support our claim of what we say exists absolutely yeah we do have one paper that is published and out there right correct and um and there will be further examples but when we get these forecasts accurately predicted yes there's some that don't come through okay we're not it's not absolutely perfect sure sure but the river of air above us is cycling fairly perfectly it's a river of air regularly cycling and that's what we're showcasing that we need to show more of but uh, i got example after example after example Right, and that's it. You you tend to default to specific examples because it's easier to consume a, a successful win by something that like a, a human being like, oh yeah, I remember that tornado. I remember that flood. I remember that storm. It's much easier for somebody to go like, oh yeah, I guess I do understand that. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like in order to satisfy all of the madness, someday we're just going to have to do it. 10 hour special on all of the times it was wrong because the weather channel of course and my favorite special every year is the weather channel like hey, let's look at 2022 all the all the forecasts that we blew right do they do that no nobody does that <laughs> why I would like, anybody wow, do I that didn't, i haven't seen that show right. it's the dumbest concept up, to me a half hour special all the forecasts we did not yeah. get right can you imagine cnbc going like oh all right well now at noon for the power lunch we're going to talk about all of the stocks that we said were going to pop and then they didn't we're going to center on all of the failures. Like, right. it's just kind of a conceptual right. stupidity. It's natural. It, it's not something that we do or I do on purpose. It's like, right, what, right. What, what we did this year is I spent, you know, a good 20 to 40 hours on it, somewhere in that range, uh, putting together that severe weather predictor. Right. Okay. And we predicted 11 times there would be severe weather this season. Didn't even look at climatology and based it on what the weather pattern was going to be when these storms were going to happen. 
of the first five, we're going to be five for five when next week, April 4th happens. April 5th, severe weather happens. It's got to happen first. It hasn't happened yet, so we'll uh-huh, see. Ah, yeah. But when that verifies, we made five predictions. Five have happened. There are six more in our report. We have a hurricane season prediction that will be coming out. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. So, I've had a, a, a sneak peek. You did. It's quite good. Yeah, I know. I spent a lot of hours on that. So, it's good. So there's, a, there's an art and a science to what we do. The science to what we do there is a lot of criticism out there for the science of what we do, but it's totally scientific, and and we will share it. You know me. Right. So. And that's the thing, that we don't have the power of academia behind us. The irony is we don't have the power of anybody behind us because everybody just wants to sit we there need, and tell us we, we can't be doing it. We need an investment. Yeah. You know? uh, so, that would be the idea. Yeah, if, if it's we, like the, the, the nerve of somebody who's, yeah. sitting, who's hiding behind a $100 million federal grant to say, like, you're not doing enough, like, we're just sitting, we're trying to yell into right. the Grand Canyon to say, like, this is worth looking at. And then everybody else going, like, well, how come you haven't done this? Because we don't have the power of the federal right. government and, and years of academia and, and all of the bias that comes along. It, it's a difficult battle. I'm, I'm sure I'm just whining here. Maybe this is my therapeutic well, release of, of, like, all of the years we've been doing this. I'm like, gosh, this is just- Well, you know, especially the last few weeks with, you know, if you read Twitter, you're yeah. going to see all the criticism God, of me how personally. Do you, how do you do that? And, <laughs> and you know, I, and I read it, but I've been through it for a long time. But I, I'm sick and tired of, of, hey, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. And then yeah. all, of, all of you out there, eventually you'll say, oh, I'll give you that, that one. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I have people <laughs> right. that have said, I'll give you that one 100 times. Eventually you would say, gosh, there's got to be something to this if I've said that 100 times. Yeah, and so I am trying to be empathetic with those people and say, okay, so maybe they need more of the academic – Right. Uh, scientific representation of, of what we're doing. Because again, you tend to speak in examples. And so then they, they, they're they able to then say you cherry picked. Right. Right. And so like, I get it. I, I'm really trying to put myself in their shoes. I'm like, all right, you know, if, if I had this certain set of beliefs and somebody came to me and this is the way they spoke about it, I guess these are the criticisms, criticisms I would develop too. So I'm trying to have empathy for this, but it is still maddening. So again, I recognize like I, I will do a better job of like producing more of the the academic style, I don't know, proof but you're, but for you're, evidence. You, to your point, you're one guy. I'm one guy. Yeah. Our company is growing. Weather twenty twenty is really significantly growing at this moment. And we want our goal is to save lives and to help businesses. I'm sick of watching these businesses lose money when, yeah. Oh, yeah. when they think, Oh, it's weather. There's nothing we can do about it. No, it's weather, and there's something you can do about it. And data analytics is being used all over the world now. How many people are going to end up at Quick Trip to this week? Well, okay, there's another factor that's not being considered. Because until now, weather data wasn't accurate enough. It is accurate and reliable enough and effective that you can predict how many people are going to come into your business and what they possibly are going to buy based on the weather. When it's in the 20s and snowing last year, how many people came into Home Depot? Right, you look, you okay. look for the correlation. And what, yeah. what did they buy when they went in there when it was these weather conditions? Right. Our model predicts those same weather conditions in the future, and you can predict that one example and affect your bottom line and help your business decisions. So weather data in the future... If it is predictable, which it is with the system we know, right? The LRC. So 
um, and it's effective enough. So that's that's what we're doing, and and uh, that's our goal is to help and, save and, lives too. And it's expensive. So this this will get me back to a little bit right. of the technical uh, concepts. And if I'm boring you, please give me the You're high side. You're not boring side. me. Okay. Well, if I, I I'm, I'm learning. I'm, that's, that's is this great. is this chapter two? <laughs> you this might be like yeah two point eight. All right. So like. I don't know. I'm in a rambling mood today. I'm, I guess I should apologize to everyone. So uh, <laughs> we we use AWS, right? And and so it's Amazon's web services. So previously, computing power like this was not available to pretty much anyone. You needed a quote unquote supercomputer, right? And so that's even where some of the, like the, the physics models, I remember, it was like a space race of just like, who has the strongest computers? Whose supercomputer is the superest, you know? <laughs> and like, so how many, how many model runs can they do in, in how many minutes or seconds or hours, right? So that was part of what was considered like the, the more effective models were just more powerful computers, right? It wasn't even necessarily that they were doing anything different. It was just we can run more models. So... With the advent of, of AWS, you now have access to on-demand supercomputing, okay? So this is, this is what we use. We use it both for storing a tremendous amount of data, which now, for one of the first times in, like, human civilized history, is affordable. Because, I mean, global data, there's a lot of it. And you need a lot it's of it. It's still $50,000 a year just for our company. Oh, yeah, minimum. Yeah, and, know, and, minimum. That's, and that's without running. Like, we have all of these experiments we want, we want to run. And I'm always like, well, I don't know, man. Is it in the budget right now? I, I need you to run three computer models. Yeah, minimum. Like, yeah. I, there's so many cool things that I would love to do, but you have to kind of you have to work within what we, what we have access to, right? right? And, and it's fascinating. We, we work with a company called NetApp. They were previously called Data Mechanics. They got acquired by the, the super company uh, NetApp. It's fascinating. The, the concept of supercomputing and processing power has become such a commoditized concept that this company specializes in uh, cutting your AWS bill in half. Wow. Right? So they, they spin up uh, supercomputing boxes on demand when you need them, but their algorithms help save you money. You can run it at different, different times a day. So if demand is high for AWS, right, then you'll end up paying more. It's surge pricing just like anything else. But they'll have some reserve. I mean, there's, there's all these different ways that you can, you can try to save money but still be able to get massive access to these, these crazy computing powers. So with the release of AWS and, and similar competitors, we just happen to be on them, um, it's, it's interesting that I think the stigma of, of what we're doing and, and even a lot of concept around computing is changing because now there is this realization that like everybody has a supercomputer in their pocket. You know, we can afford it. Like the average person, like I've done, like even just with like stock trading, right? Like just from a personal perspective, like I'll throw something out to a supercomputer and, and run some quantifiable, you know, whatever, just because it's, and it's like $7, <laughs> you know. You haven't shared this information with me. Oh, no, I love it, man. Uh, when you find out, you're going to let me know which stock to buy, right? Uh, well, sure, <laughs> sure. Well, the, the idea being if you have a model that, like, you don't even have to know, your model just does it for you, okay. right? Because this is the thing. I don't want to have to buy and sell stocks. Right. I'm, I'm building a robot to do that. Right. So that I don't, I don't even have to mess with it. Oh my god! That's that's been right. one of my favorite hobbies in the last however many years. But that's the thing. Like now, me as just a schmuck in Kansas City, <laughs> I can do that because it costs seven dollars to do a, a run. Amazing! You know? It's it's nuts. And so the concept of AI, which is just fancy statistics, 
everybody. We use the concept of intelligence to, to describe like artificial intelligence. These are like the the thinnest sliver of but paper. I hear that they're going to take over the world with AI. I mean, look, sure. Anything is possible. Like, <laughs> I, I am mildly skeptical in the short term. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about it now. Like, now is where you start, start to set up the, the guardrails to say, like, let's try to keep this from going out of control. But right now, you just have a bunch of very fancy statistical models right. trying to predict what word should come after this other word. That's it. These people have done a lot of categorizations and say, like, okay, when you refer to flowers and blue sky or whatever, like, statistically, after the word purple, the, the next word is rain. So, <laughs> if you're a Prince fan. Right. So, I'm just saying, that's, like... I love Prince. Oh, you got to. Yeah. I love it. It's great. So, you know, statistics are running a lot of things. All of these machine learning models are just fancy statistics. They're not necessarily artificial intelligence. Right. We've used that as a catch-all, right? right? And so what we're doing is we're using statistics too, conceptually. Like, so you have, you have a company releasing chat GPT and everything, right? They're fancy statistical models. <laughs> so you're saying that the LRC model is a really great statistical model. There's other statistical models being used today. Yes. Why not ours? Because we actually have results. Yes, 100%. Everybody right. is putting all of their love juice right. into the idea of like artificial right. intelligence. Again, it's just statistics. Right. We have entire industries built off statistics, like pharmaceutical industries. They're doing statistical anomalies consistently. Right. If we even just refer to like the, the, the most famous example of like Viagra, right? Yeah. It was supposed to be a blood pressure medication. <laughs> right. And then they realized like, oh, this Look actually does. Statistically, there's another, there's something else happening. I didn't we, realize that. We just market it as this, right? right? And so that was just statistics. So Viagra was originally what? It was a blood pressure medication. Okay, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, we still, from the ph pharmaceutical <laughs> world, they don't even know how a lot of these things work. If you read the ads and you read the papers, they go, it is believed that it targets the, like, right. they're just saying statistically right. this is what it does. Right. And so we're going to give it to people because, like, X percent of times it does this thing. X, X percent of times it shows results. Yes, it shows this level of right. success. I right. don't know. It just it, it's weird the the selective ability right. to say like this is good, this is bad, even though right. conceptually they're in the same bucket. I've got a meeting with an investor. I'm sorry. Okay, I got, I got a meeting I, with an how investor. How long are we running here? Is if this you too want long? to invest in what we're I'm doing, I'm boring you. I knew I was going to no, bore you. Are this. you boring? <laughs> is he boring? There's no boring. Okay, there's uh, there's no boring in okay, Bob. Golly. Okay, that's that's awful. Oh sweet. my god, uh, that was. Geez, uh, did we answer the questions? I don't even know what were the questions. Of course not. Am I too far in the weeds? We we. We explained a little, pretty deep into what our model is, the the ingredients behind it, and right, the technology, right. and how there's other statistical models out there. Yeah, that yeah. everybody loves yeah. and says it's going to change the world, yet the, somehow you're right. the jerk on Twitter. And the, Incredible. <laughs> the physics-based models do have a 15-day limit on accuracy. The LRC model is not a physics-based model. It's tomorrow's model for weather. All right, so we have tomorrow's model that you can apply now. So go to weather2020.com, weather2020.substack.com if you want to become a, a customer. It's just $300 a year for, for farmers, energy, or, or storm chasers for that matter. We go over everything. That's so, excellent. What are we forecasting this week? Are we forecasting, forecasting better workouts? Whoa. All right. All right. Is that possible? Better workouts. 35 reps? Is that what we're Thank doing? Thank you, David Schlossman, <laughs> Results Personal Fitness. Thank you to Uphold Home. Thank you for listening to Bob today on the forecast. Again, I'm, statistically, Lee. I talk too much. I'm sorry. No, Gary Lezak and Bob Lines. <laughs> Have a great week. Bye, everybody.